Kanji Cast, the podcast that you never made a deal with. We're also the show that didn't make the castle run in 12 parsecs, even if you round down, but we do provide an Asian perspective into the galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Bria, and with me are my co-hosts, Brian and Jay. Hello. Hello. On today's episode, we're live at Baltimore Comic-Con with an interview with Greg Pak, so sit back and enjoy the show. And technically, we're all not at Baltimore Comic-Con right now. I should have thought that better when I wrote out the introduction line. But Time's wibbly-wobbly. It all works. Yeah, timey-wimey. We were live at Baltimore Comic-Con, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, But hey, guys, how you doing tonight? Doing pretty good, other than, you know, running a 100-degree fever and trying not to hallucinate fever dreams right now. I mean, that could make this episode really exciting, Brian. (laughs) It really could, but let me just say I'm glad that we have a pre-recorded interview for today. (laughs) How about you, Jay? Well, I'm definitely not hallucinating, so I think everything's A-OK here. Guys, we have such a low bar tonight. (laughs) The bar is buried. Yeah, yeah. How about some news? Should we go into that? Let's do some news. Let's do it. Okay, uh, so there's been a fair bit, and I will fully admit to the fact that I am grateful we just dumped links into the KanjiCast channel on the Patreon Slack, because that's that's where almost all of these came from. Patreon.com slash Tashi Station. Support us today, dun dun dun. Um... So first up, uh, Gemma Chan is apparently Marvel double dipping, which used to be the big no-no. And now it's like, eh, that's fine. So apparently she, I can't remember if they officially announced this or not, but it looks like she's going to be in the the Eternals and that she might be playing Cersei is what I think I heard. Um, Either way, I'm glad because more Gemma Chan is always awesome. I will concur with this assessment. Do we know anything about that character? Is it another one of those mythologically inspired? Because obviously when I see the name Cersei, I'm thinking of, you know, Cersei, the witch from the Odyssey. So is that another type of eternal person she's playing? Yeah. Yeah, it's an established character. It's who everyone, I believe, I believe it's who everyone thought Angelina Jolie was going to be playing until they announced that she's someone. I should Google this. Wait, so does that... Wasn't the speculation that Angelina Jolie was going to play like the main one, or who was that? Someone was going to play the, like, yeah. the leader. Yeah, they thought she was going to be okay. So she's doing Angelina Jolie is going to be Athena. Okay. Um, but the speculation for a while, I think, based upon who the characters were, was that she was going to be Cersei. Got it. Don't ask me for too much more about this, mostly because I don't know nearly enough about the Eternals. And most people don't know nearly enough about the Eternals, so. Which hopefully we'll the movie will be the perfect introduction together. to the mythology then and to the comics. Yeah, I I see us having an episode about this in the future, even though it's not a Star War. Hey, we, we, I mean, we're not limited it. to just Star War. We could we can do what we want. It's our show. <laughs> this and, is true. And they're from space, right? They probably fought some wars. It's a Star War of some sort. There will be a war in the stars. Yes, that's how we'll make it work. Okay, uh, next on the list, uh, for if you have not read any of the Grishaverse books, you absolutely should. Brian, just go ahead and yell about Six of Crows. It's so good! Did you finish it yet? I'm about three quarters of the way through. I actually <laughs> had restarted it, um, then another book showed up in the last uh, yes. week or so that... 
mm-hmm. commanded my attention. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should read that. You should read the sequel. And apparent, but anyways, the Grishaverse is those two books, and then the trilogy whose name I can't recall. Uh, but they're doing a TV series uh, for Lee Bardugo's series, and they did some of the initial casting, and it looks pretty awesome and it's a racially diverse cast and i'm bringing this up because hey look asians hooray i don't know who i don't know who alina is but i've decided i already love her i will protect her it's a it's a very lovely cast they have assembled for this and i am quite excited i don't know i've definitely heard of these books and i've heard of lee bardugo but i've never actually read them you should look up Six of Crows. I think you would like it. I think, yeah, I think Six of Crows is up your alley. Yeah, I did do a brief googling before the show, and I did see that basically it was some sort of description of fantasy Russia, which makes me think monarchy. So hopefully, yes, there there is some fancy clothes at one point. Okay, that is a big plus for me. Yes. Um. What's next on the list? Uh. Oh, so there's two different shows that got greenlit recently. Disney India apparently commissioned an animated TV series about Gandhi. Um, I don't know much more about that except for what it says on the label. Yeah, I saw from the the article. It's basically supposed to be um, a 52 so 52 episode animated series, 11 minutes each. Um, that's aimed towards uh, children in India and Singapore. Um, commissioned by Disney India. And basically they're using Gandhi as sort of a wise elder figure, but like teleporting him to modern times and having him basically be a problem solving slash advice type figure in terms of solving problems. So I'm kind of, I'm getting Mr. Rogers vibes, like, you know, trying to help kids with contemporary problems. Um, so that would be interesting. Huh? That does sound interesting. I I could go for that. Yeah. I wonder if they'll end up showing it anywhere in the States on like Disney Plus or something. Right, exactly. Because you'd think that would be a natural place to put it. But I guess that depends. I mean, we, we I mean, we could get a probably a subtitle version or something. Or heck, it's a cartoon. They could probably it's, dub it, too. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, huh. Neat. Um, and then on a similar note, Netflix in Greenlit and Jay, correct me if, is it Gee? Yep. Gee Happy, uh, which is an animated series from Sanjay Patel, which got described as playful reimagining of the Hindu deities as little kids discovering their powers in a deity daycare. Oh, my God. That sounds delightful. Right. Did you look at the artwork in the link in the link? Oh, no, I need to look. I need to pull that up. It looks super cute. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very cute, very colorful. And I think the the director basically said that, you know, He's been working in kids and family entertainment, and he thought of the series as, you know, now that he has kids, he thought of it as a series that, one, he would want his own kids to to learn from, but then also be um, entertaining and uh, inspiring for kids around the world. Um, and I, I've, I've said this before, I love using sort of religion and mythology um, and using it to teach. And so I'm very interested to see how this uh, show goes. Yeah, and I love that it's on Netflix. Oh, that art is delightful. I love that. Right? I'm so glad that animation has swerved back around to being colorful again. There was a a period where uh, the tones were very muted, but no, this is is great. Yeah. So I feel bad for whatever uh, daycare attendant has to take care of a bunch of uh, little gods. That can't be 
Very oh, good no. for them. Oh no! I imagine hijinks. I hope. I hope for hijinks. It has to be even crazier than like uh, Camp Half Blood. Oh, I know, because this time they have the full powers. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, hopefully that comes out. Well, not soon, but since they just greenlit it, but hopefully in the near future. Uh, moving on to book-related news, well, rather graphic novel-related news. Uh, Sarah Kuhn, who's I actually just read the novella, uh, her novella Unsung, Unsung Heroine, I cannot speak today, which is from her Heroin Complex series. But she apparently is writing Shadow of the Batgirl, which is a gap. Oh, my gosh. I can't speak. I'm so sorry. I can't do words. Shadow of the Batgirl, which is a graphic novel about Cassandra Cain, which I am super excited about because I've always loved her as Batgirl. Um, I think this is one area where DC Comics is probably doing much better than Marvel. Uh, they're being a little bit more, a little bit bolder with their books and and going heading more towards the teenage market, which I really appreciate. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, and then secondly, uh, Mariko Tamakai is curating a LGBTQIA graphic novel imprint called Shirley Books, which I think that's Canadian based, uh, cause she's a Canadian comic creator. It's going to be launching in spring 2021. Um, and I really love that, that they're doing this because it's, it's specifically for queer writers which I feel like I haven't really seen something on this level happen before. Um, so it should, they have a lineup of three comics so far, two biographies and one work of fiction oh, by yeah. artists. That, that's Grace really Ellis. Cool. Yeah. They've got a list of the artists. Um, yeah. And apparently she also recently won the 2019 Harvey award for best young adult book. So I'm really intrigued to see where this goes. I think it's cool. Cause like, I you know I I feel like I should make take better advantage of the fact that graphic novels can be used to highlight activism and different nonfiction focuses and I think um, the publisher said the mission of this imprint is to highlight the activism achievements and struggles of the LBTQIA community um, and I think it's a great way to to bring that out to audiences like me who might not be familiar with that kind of history. Yeah, um, totally agreed on that front. And then also, let's see what's next. Oh, I forgot about that. Good call, Brian. Would, do you want to talk about that one? Sure. So I've made no secret that uh, the current Ms. Marvel uh, run is some of my favorite comics ever. And Kamala Khan is one of my favorite characters ever, which is why I am thrilled that she is actually going to be the lead of the upcoming Avengers game uh, that's going to be coming to the uh, PS4. Um this was announced a couple weeks ago, and uh, originally when we saw this game, it looked like uh, it was just going to be an Avengers game where you just kind of rotate through the main cast, but we find out, no, uh, Kamala is the lead of this game and kind of the player protagonist. Um, and in even better news, uh, it was uh, G. Willow Wilson said that she did consult on uh, the dialogue and writing. So I am very excited and hopeful for this game. Yeah, I think that bit of news turned me completely around on this game. Like, I don't play comic book video games just because, you know, there's not much royalty in them. So what's the point of playing them? <laughs> um, but 
I, I'm being honest here. Okay. Um, but like I know there have been cool ones like Spider Man that people have been really into. They're just not for me. And when it was announced that Kamala Khan was actually going to be the protagonist of this story, I thought, wait, are they going to do something intriguing with this game? Maybe I really do actually need to play this game after all. So I think I may end up grabbing it just for her as the protagonist alone. Yeah, I really liked the behind the scenes video. I think they might have had it for the announcement uh, they did at New York Comic Con. But they show the actress who's voicing her, who's really excited about the role. Um, a lot of the people who worked on the game behind the scenes. And it just, like you said, it completely turned me around on the game. Because before I was just kind of like, okay, this is cool, I guess. But oh, also because of how... It was a game that how, I'd pick up on sale. But not yeah, something I actively how, wanted to pick up and play on release day. Yeah, but because of how they did the art. And it was like the MCU Avengers team. But they didn't look like their MCU counterparts because, you know, licensing rights. Mm -hmm. So they all kind of looked like, oh, this is the knockoff Avengers. And I was just like, all right, cool, whatever. But since Kamala's in it, I'm completely, like you said, I'm completely turned around on the game. I might actually have to pick it up closer to release day now if I'm not playing Dragon Age. Yeah, Um, um, (laughs) it's absolute must play territory for me now. Do you guys remember when that one's coming out? Uh, spring next year? Hang on, I can look that up. Okay, good, I've got time. Between everything coming out this fall or, like, in two weeks, man. Uh, May 15th next year. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, plenty of time. Oh, wait, this is, this one's actually multi-platform, so PS4, Xbox One, Windows, and Google Stadia. Oh, Windows, excellent. Nice. Oh, so we can all play it on our completely separate platforms because none of us use the same gaming system. I mean, I do have a PS4 as well, but I would prefer PC if it's available. Yeah. Nice. All right, well, hopefully we'll get to hear more about that game in the future. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen the uh, announcement video or the uh, both the trailer and the behind the scenes video, definitely go track it down. Uh, it was it, it's really cool. Uh, next up, since they're apparently making a fourth Matrix film, I'm still baffled by this, but, uh, apparently Jessica Henwick is in talks to be in it, which I'm always excited about because that girl needs more work and she should be, have been getting a new Netflix series, except she's not because they're all canceled. That's not the point. Um, but yeah, I think it's not confirmed, but she was in talks, uh, and it wouldn't be a reboot of The Matrix, as a lot of the original cast is coming back. So, yeah. I actually wasn't aware they were making new Matrix films. Yeah, with only one of the sisters on board, I think, to direct and work on it. I don't know why the other one isn't involved. She might just not feel like it. Um we had a supposedly, I think they said that they have Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss are both coming back. Uh, the year of Keanu continues. <laughs> yes. And so they, they had another casting announcement too. I think someone else they said. Not, I don't think it was. Oh, I, I, I heard, apparently there's a rumor that Neil Patrick Harris might be in it. Yeah. That I, was it. I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm I'm intrigued. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the guy from Aquaman, whose name I'm going to butcher. I'm Jason really sorry. Momoa? No. Yah. 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 Oh, I can't pronounce his Yaya name. Abdul Mateen, I think. Yeah. I mean, this is all question marks still, but yeah. That's uh, interesting. I'm curious. Yeah. Interesting cast. They are potentially assembling for it. It could either be really good or really bad. I don't think there's any in between for that one. Yeah, this this doesn't seem like it's going to be one of those movies with any middle ground. It's either going to be stellar or a delightful train wreck. So basically, the Matrix, you pick the one pill or the other pill. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Jay. Exactly. Oh, this has nothing to do with the topic, but speaking of films that are being brought back for sequels, apparently the new Terminator film is really good. Oh, I am so glad that's uh, that's reviewing well. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. It's out next week, I think. Sarah Connor's back! Hell yeah! Um... I'm, I love Sarah Connor and everyone. If you ha- if you for whatever reason have not watched the Sarah Connor Chronicles TV show that was on Fox about a decade ago, um, please fix that. The first couple episodes are a little rough, but man, by the time they get in the second season, it's so good, so good. I'm derailing us, aren't I? A little eh, bit. Ta- little tangent never hurt anyone. Yeah. Let's do the last thing though, which. Um, Killed me slightly because I think this got announced between when we recorded our episode and it got posted. Or if it wasn't before it got posted, it was very, it was like a day after the episode got posted. I um, I think it was announced, it might have been announced like hours before I posted. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I, I saw the news get confirmed because I, I think it was, I went for a run. Everything was fine. I went for a run. Short run. 25 minutes later, I come back and on my phone, people are like, hey, here's this rumor. And I'm like, guys, guys, calm down. It's not confirmed till it's on StarWars.com. I'm still outside stretching and like trying to remember how to breathe again. And it's confirmed that Deborah Zhao is directing the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Like, holy crap. They must have really loved her work on The Mandalorian. Yeah, she did. Apparently, she directed apparently two episodes of The Mandalorian. Yes. Um, but yeah, this series is going to be set eight years after Revenge of the Sith. She is directing it, uh, and it's written by Hossein Amini. And the way they worded the press release makes me think it's going to be a one season, one and done, and that it's being written as one long story. And he, uh, Amini, is writing all of it, and she's directing all of it, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, that's the impression I got too. It De- definitely seemed like a single series slash miniseries type of thing, and that both of them, uh, both Deborah Chow and Hossein Amini, were going to do the whole thing. Yeah, I don't. I feel like we haven't really gotten that sort of storytelling before, um, at least in Star Wars. Mostly because you know, there's always okay. Yes, George wrote and directed all of the prequels, um, but aside from that. I'm not sure we've had, and I'm guessing it'll be five to eight episodes, but yes, we haven't had like that, yeah. such a cons- 
Yeah, I don't think we've had such a consistent creator team across. No, this kind of feels like they're doing they're trying to do kind of a prestige television format, which I am absolutely here for. Yeah. There you go. It feels like it could be something you'll be on HBO minus all the swearing and sex. I mean, you never know it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm pretty sure they're putting it on Disney Plus. I don't think you get swearing and sex on Disney Plus. That's for Disney Plus Plus. Oh, Jay. Jay. No. So what is your um, non-joke, bad joke take on this, Jay? Please tell us, rescue us from this hole you dug us into. My non-joke, bad joke take about this? You're serious. I Okay, well, then it's got away from me, okay? All right. Um, I mean, I think it's really cool that they're they're doing a short contained series. That means they want to tell a very tight story. And the fact that, you know, we have Ewan McGregor, right, who's one of the biggest, most popular Star Wars actors, and we have a single creator, a single creative team being trusted to tell this story makes me think that they have high hopes and expectations for this series and for the creators of it. And I, I, I have no idea where it's going to go because we're all thinking Kenobi novel. We're all thinking space Western, but it could be anything. And that's what intrigues me the most, especially if it's um, eight years after Revenge of the Sith. That's like a nice midway point between A New Hope and Episode 3. So sky's the limit, I guess. I really hope yeah. that this means they're also they're going to do other stories in this format as well. Yes, I do, too. I mean, because I think there's certainly something to be said for having a long, ongoing series. Uh, if we look at Marvel as an example, I think that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has done some really cool things by being able to tell a story and tell a story for over 100 episodes. But then also, when you look at something like, well, Daredevil's not necessarily a great example, but if you just looked at like, you know the, the smaller format where it's more contained... Well, it also free, cool stuff. frees you to tell stories in different periods of time, right? That you have constraints that a long series couldn't fit in. Like, that was the original idea behind the Star Wars story style of films. And I kind of wonder if, to combat cinema fatigue, they're going to try to put the more creative storytelling now in a Disney Plus miniseries, which still gives them the flexibility of telling different kinds of stories, but also. You know, with an eight-episode miniseries, you still have a lot more breathing room than you do with a two-hour movie. And you can tell much better stories in eight hours. Yeah. And I'm also wondering if this is a way for them to free up the movies to do something different. Because every – and I mean, honestly, part of the reason I'm so glad the Kenobi series got officially announced is so people would shut up about the movie. Um because every single time we turned around, it was, oh, my God, look, there's going to be a Kenobi movie, a Kenobi movie. And I'm just like, guys, it's not confirmed yet. That's not what that word means. Until, of course, you know, D23 happened. Um, but I, I'm kind of wondering, because, you know, we have the Kenobi series and then we have the Cassian series. So is this a way to sort of get best of both worlds? You know, I, I think so. And I mean... I'll say this now. I loved Rogue One, but I think Rogue One may have been even better in like an eight episode mini. Band of Brothers, but for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I, I think, I think maybe what they're doing is Jay, like you said, they're taking this a Star Star Wars story idea, and instead of 
confining them to film. It's taking that and then doing a mini series with them, which I think I think gives you more room to make uh, these inner trilogy prequely stuff work better. And there's less risk involved, right? Like solo, um, you know, for all you know, all the discourse about it, either way, you love it or you hate it. But you know, it had a lot of you know, it had to make a lot of money to justify its existence. A TV series, especially one on a subscription service, doesn't have to worry about that kind of margin, and it can have a more narrow audience if it wants to and still be considered very successful. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, because there you don't have to sell ad space for these. You don't have to rely on ticket sales. You're just going with the community uh, streaming service pot. Yeah. Although, let's be real. You say, you and McGregor, and there's a lot of people who are going to watch it no matter what. Mm-hmm. That man is pretty. Oh, that I man is so sing. pretty. Yeah. Just the dual threat right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm so excited to see what Deborah Chow does with this. And I'm even more excited to see what she does with her episodes of The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, I think she's got, like, episode three and seven, I want to say. I, think I don't remember. That's right. So that means basically in about a month from now, right? Because episode three, I think, should be on like November 22nd or so, right? About that yeah, Friday. Yeah, it should be end towards the end of November, yeah. Yeah. Oh, in a month or so, we might even get her episode. That would be cool. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll have seen her episodes by the end of the year. Cause... Right, it'll be done by then. Yeah. Um, and then for those at home, we are planning to talk about The Mandalorian Season 1 at some point next year. We just scheduled a little bit further because we didn't think they were going to be so ambitious with their release schedule. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, anything else you guys want to say about the series or any other news I might have missed in putting this list together? I'm going to blow so much time on Disney+. Plus. Just yes. so much time. Yes, we are. Tearing yep. ourselves away from uh, Disney Plus to record our next episode is going to be interesting. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Uh, so that's the news, which means we get to get into our discussion topic this week, which is not actually a discussion topic because we have what I'm pretty sure is our first for the Kanji Cats. We have an interview. And I am really excited that we were able to get this to work out because it's something I've wanted to have on the show for something to do on the show for probably about a year now, a.k.a. ever, ever, ever since they announced that Greg was going to be writing Age of Rebellion. Um, and I also just want to take a moment to say that the episode was recorded live at Baltimore Comic-Con, which was uh, I'm not sure when you guys are listening to this episode, but for me, it was this past weekend. If you are anywhere near the D.C. Baltimore area, I highly recommend checking out the show at some point. Uh, obviously, this year's has already passed, but next year, it's it's just a really great show. It's it's small enough to feel like you can handle it. It's not as big and crazy as, say, New York Comic Con, um, but it is so delightfully still focused on comic books. Uh, that's where I've gotten to see some incredible creators. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn was there this year, which is super cool. Uh, I was too, <laughs> I was too impatient to wait in his line, but I walked by and I just stared at his amazingness because he wrote freaking Runaways and Saga. Um, 
they have some media guests who are there as well, but it will usually it's usually ones who are somehow tied into comics in some way, shape or form. And like I said, if you want to if you want to go to a cool comic book focus show, highly recommend Baltimore Comic Con. Uh, I always spend way too much money there on trades. <laughs> but yeah, so that's sorry. That's my little plug for Baltimore. I love I really do love that show. It's it's a great one. Um, but yeah, so you guys are about to hear the interview I did with Greg Pock. Uh, forgive the convention background noise and enjoy. We'll pick up on the other side. All right. Hey, KanjiCast listeners. I'm coming to you live from Baltimore Comic-Con with the one and only Greg Pock, who happens to be one of my favorite writers of all time. So you wrote one of my favorite X-Men things, and I didn't realize it till recently. So which, this was... Which was that? Phoenix Song. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I didn't realize it, and I saw the name, and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but hey, we're here to talk about Star Wars. So what we like to ask everyone the first time they're on the show or any of the shows on our network is, what is your Star Wars origin story? How did you become a fan? Oh, uh, I was, what, I guess I was like eight, right, when the first movie came out, because um, I'm that old. And uh, I don't know, my family was on like summer vacation somewhere, and I remember there was a kid who told me, it's very scary. Uh, but we ended up going to see the movie, and I, 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 you know, and I thought it was awesome. Uh, the scary part I was, I was warned about was when somebody gets their arm chopped off, which actually happens, you know, uh, more than once during the course of the series, of course. But, um, uh, no, I mean, I, and I loved it. I was, uh, I was a uh, sci-fi nerd from a very young age. Ray Bradbury was my hero, and I loved anything with, you know, sci-fi and robots. And, and also, I mean, I, I've said this before on panels and stuff, but it's, it's hard to explain how mind-blowing it was to see this movie in 1977. You know what I mean? Like, the level of the special effects and the, this world-building. Um, I mean, we'd, we'd had... You know, like, we've had Ray Harryhausen movies, which are amazing, right? You know what I mean? Like, these kind of, these, these fantasy movies that kind of took you somewhere else. But I'd never seen anything on this level in sci-fi that was as sort of fully realized a, uh, a world that felt real and lived in. And, and uh, it, was, it was just astounding, you know? Like, you know, when those big ships fly across the screen from the, from the get-go. It's like, what the heck is going on here? It was amazing. So do you have a favorite character in the Star Wars universe? Um, I have a lot. Uh, I mean, in uh, in writing the books, it's been interesting because, um, like, I I mean, I, I always liked Luke a lot, but I think as I've gotten older, I've really started to kind of appreciate Luke. You know what I mean? Like, uh, um, it's sort of similar to, to Superman. Like, when I, was a, when I was a really young kid, I loved Superman. When I was older, I, you know, like, like a dummy, I was like got a little too cool for school and you know and was not as into Superman but then as I've gotten older I really appreciate both Luke and Superman as the sort of lawful good characters who are trying to you know figure out how to do the right thing in this very complicated world you know what I mean and their um, their sort of uh, earnestness um, I really appreciate you know I, uh, I think the older I get the less use I have for irony you know what I mean no you know what I mean it's it's like I you know like I I I don't I don't need ironic detachment from anything these days you know what I mean I need commitment to doing the right thing every single damn day you know um and and and, you know so so Luke is uh Luke has been really he's really grown on me in a really cool way um although right now 
it's Vader that's first and foremost in my mind. I can't imagine why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Weird that. We will get to that one. Okay. Um, so your first work for the Star Wars comics was on the Age of Rebellion project. Yes. Were the heroes and villains already decided before you were yes. signed on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, can, in that case, can you talk a little bit what went into figuring out what sort of story to tell for each of these characters? Because they're a single issue and yeah. you get to be concise. Yeah, it was a real um, great challenge because... I mean, the, the sort of mandate I was given is that we want to tell sort of iconic stories about each one of these heroes that kind of reminds us why we love these characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. So something. Well, so that's that's a that's that's a. Oh, that'll be easy, right? That's an easy thing to do. We'll just we'll just knock off some iconic stories, eight of them yeah. in a row. Um, uh, but that was kind of the thing, and then the, and then the sort of you know then the the extra mandate I kind you know that we I, we as I thought about this is that they needed to kind of matter in some way too. I mean, like you know. In a shared universe, uh, it's always great if the stories you're telling fill in a little gap that hasn't been filled in before. Do a little something, you know, add something to the timeline, add something to the character. And, you know, that's incredibly hard to do with uh, characters and storylines that have been plumbed and are yeah. currently being plumbed in a hundred different stories, you know, maybe more. You Probably know? got the hardest one to set to do. Um, but, uh, you know, so I, I, I put together a lot of ideas, you know, did a bunch of little sort of one one line or one paragraph pitches and, uh, you know, talked about it with my editor and then we sent those, you know, we talked about it with the Lucasfilm folks. And um, and it was, it actually was pretty, it was it was a pretty smooth process. I mean, um I, uh, I I I think the um, the Lucasfilm th- folks were amazing because they were really they would they would they would come back and say well because of X we can't do Y but there is Z you know what I mean like so and, and so they would they would sort of make suggestions that fit within the continuity that also um, were trying to that that were helpful in me telling whatever emotional story I was trying to tell. You know what I mean? Like they they were great in that in that regard. It wasn't um, you know, like they they wanted to make it all work and and so the, and they you know, helped me figure out the the right places to place things and and of course, they know everything that's been done. I don't know everything that's been done. I know a lot, but I don't know everything. Story group's um, incredible. Like yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, the process was great. And then um, and I loved working with uh, Mark Panici and Tom Groneman, who are my editors on this. Uh, I mean, Mark is somebody I've worked with for basically as long as almost as almost as long as I've been in comics. I mean, we did Planet Hulk together back in the day, and we've just done a ton of stuff together. So he's always, you know, a, a, a great editor to work with and bounce ideas off of. So they were a ton of fun. Awesome. I feel like one of the comments that you hear other people who work on Star Wars say the most often is, I didn't think they let me do X, but yeah. then they did, and it was cool. And, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. can't believe I got away with it. Um, was there something in particular you did aside from like rewatch the movies to get in the minds of characters like, oh, Jabba the Hunt? Oh. I feel like that had to be one of the trickier ones to do. Jabba was interesting because, um, I mean, Jabba is a, Jabba is a, I mean, every one of these characters is a fun challenge, you know? Um, like the, I mean, we didn't do a one shot about Chewie, but I've been writing Chewie in the main Star Wars book and like, you know, so Chewie and 3PO, they don't speak in a language we understand, so, but then it sets up this kind of fun thing where you can have other characters sort of, you know, responding to what they say and you understand what they say by context, but that's also a great way to kind of build out the relationships you know what i mean like it, it, it you know it just it just it, it it creates a really fun dynamic that you can use to reveal uh relationships and character moments um uh and and well but that's relevant to jabba in the sense that like jabba 
he doesn't he's not really mobile you know what i mean so it's like you know you can't he's not going to get in a light you know what <laughs> you know he's not you're not going to do an action sequence with somebody the way you would with you know with, an, with the way you would with another character um but uh and so that kind of helps to focus the mind on what kinds of stories you can tell and so with java for example we did this cool thing with uh with um with him uh uh you know like the the you know the the power behind you know and he's he sets this whole thing in motion and sort of manipulates it from the background you know um so it's uh he's incredibly active throughout the whole story even though he's not necessarily on every page you know what i mean so so you know different characters present different sort of solutions like that which um which allow you to tell very different kinds of stories which is a lot of fun did you have a favorite of the age of rebellion ones um i i i love them all but probably the boba fett one um it was uh i mean similarly to jabba boba i mean like the less he talks the better you know what i mean like you don't want to have him get out there and soliloquize and everything right um and uh, so basically, it's a you know, it's a it's a spaghetti western. You know, it's yeah. a, it's a, he's he's like you know, he's he I don't he I think he says three words in the whole book. Um, you know, and he's on this mission, and uh, all these other people around him are sort of interpreting his actions in ways that make sense to them, but don't necessarily reflect what's really going on in his head. You know, so then there's a reveal at the end that's sort of like you know sort of dark and, and fun and uh but um but yeah no it's uh I, I think that's the one that uh, yeah i mean i it's 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 a nice it's also a great mood piece it's a you know it's basically a western you know yeah. it's a bounty hunter western with uh and mark lamming and um and our colorist uh uh minon i, I spaced on his first name now um but uh but they did uh they they did a tremendous job creating this sort of hot you know, hot, arid world. Um, you know, you can kind of feel that. Yeah, yeah, Niraj, Niraj Minan. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, it's just, it's aesthetically, it's stunning. Yeah, I've ended up, I'm not necessarily a huge Boba Fett fan, but I remember reading that one, which is blown away by it. Oh, cool, thank you. Um, do you need to pause it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. We're, um, we're right up there. So we, we're mixing it up with a new character, Dar Champion. So uh, he's, he's making a little trouble. It's been fun. Funnily enough, he was my next question. Oh yeah, yeah. Can we talk about him? Because what a name, number one. <laughs> uh, I love that little the little gag you have in the second issue where he is, where Han's all like, "Dar Champion, is that really his name?" And Leia's like, "Is your name really Solo?" <laughs> so is that his real name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, is he also was he written deliberately to be a contrast to Han? Yeah. Well, I mean, I also wanted to. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, because you know, Dar Champion is uh, he's the he's he's sort of a uh, son of nobility, kind of a fallen fallen noble, but now he's working as the district advocate on his planet. He's sort of sort of this swashbuckling, um, you know, crusader basically, uh, who's uh, who's kind of you know, sort of unironically like you know, fighting the good fight and all of this, and um, 
and you know and and Han is the scoundrel right you know what I mean so they, they're both sort of very fun you know kind of magnetic charismatic characters but they sort of you know if one's lawful good the other one's chaotic good right you know what I mean so um, uh, and you know so I just thought that would be a fun contrast you know and, and you know Dar is an old boyfriend of Leia's like they you know they she, she stood him up once like years ago <laughs> you know, like that's the sort of the backstory but um, so there's this you know I, of course there's this little 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 uh, romantic tension there which is been a lot of fun. Uh, and then the most recent issue, or I'm pretty sure it's the most recent issue, was 72, where you've got Vader and 3PO interacting. Yeah. And the whole time I was reading it, I kept thinking about how, oh my god, Vader yeah. built 3PO. Was that something you were... Yeah, oh on? definitely. Well, you know, because, I mean, there's there's a story to be told when Vader recognizes 3PO, right? But, mm-hmm. but that wasn't, well, you know, we weren't going to do yeah. that in this book. Um, I mean, thankfully, there are millions of protocol droids, you know, who all look the same, you know, with slightly different variations in color. And I think, I, you know, like the, uh, like back in the day when Anakin left 3PO, well, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, there's, 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 there's many different, um, there's many different protocol droids, so we didn't have to have it be obviously, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you can have... Vader interact with a protocol droid and not having him think every time. You know, it's, it's like every time I walk down the street and see a uh, a, 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 a Buick Regal, and, uh, I'm not thinking, oh my God, that's my Buick Regal. You know, <laughs> I, I, it's been years since I had a Buick Regal, but you know, um, but uh, uh, but yeah, you know. So there's a little 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 you know, there's background there. I um, it's it's funny because some of that kind of stuff um, is stuff you have to keep in mind, even if it doesn't play out in the story, you know what I mean? So it's kind of affecting the way you, uh, you know, just how you stage things and how you think about things because, you know, it's fun to kind of tease stuff, but then you don't want to, um, you know, you don't want to have characters do something they wouldn't, that that doesn't make sense given, given what they have, what they know at this point in the saga, you know? So it's just something to keep in mind. Uh, I mean, there was, um, yeah, I mean, like, the, the, you know, and, and I mean, not not particularly in this one, but in in you know, in some other uh, at some other moments, you can sort of have little, you know, little sort of like double takes or whatever to kind of add to that. But um, but that's uh, you know, that's one of the challenges and sort of fun things of working in this within a big established uh, storyline. Yeah. Uh, so then there's Luke, who's with Morva. Yeah. And I noticed, especially when I first read the Han Solo of uh, Age of Rebellion that you did, uh-huh. we're getting more Asian characters in Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. and I'm not surprised they're coming from you. Yeah, uh, you know. So I guess the obvious question is, was this a deliberate effort to include more of the characters? Is oh, yeah. that something you like specified when you worked with the artists? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, with Dark Champion, like, um, uh, Dark Champion also, was, I was like, let's make him look South Asian, you know what I mean? And with, uh, with Warba, and, um, and w- there was also, an, uh, like, an old friend of Han Solo's that we put into the, the Han Solo Age of Rebellion one-shot. Um, both of them are, were, you know, specified that they should look East Asian. So, uh, so yeah, you know, like, I, you know, I, I like, um, uh, I like telling stories that look like the world outside my window. You know what I mean? And and that's uh, I, it feels unrealistic to me if, if stories don't have diversity in them. You know what I mean? So um, so uh, you know and and why not? So it's been fun. 
I know both me and my co-host, uh, both of them, we all appreciate it very much. Oh, I appreciate it. Um, and I did want to talk a little bit more broadly about diversity because the awesome work you're doing for Marvel with Agents of Atlas. Oh, cool, thanks. The, for anyone who isn't listening doesn't know, has the Asian Asian American heroes. Um, you're writing that, obviously, and I believe uh, the artists, or at least some of the artists, have been Asian as mm-hmm. well. Um, but you've also been bringing in co-writers like Alyssa Wong, and I'm guessing that's a deliberate effort. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I... Um uh, so I've been lucky enough to bring in Alyssa Wong to co-write the Arrow Wave stories in the uh, in the back of the Arrow book, and Fonda Lee to co-write the Shang Chi uh, Swordmaster team-up stories in the back of the Swordmaster book. Um, and uh, they, I mean, it's been amazing. I uh, I mean, with um, with the Arrow Wave backup stories, uh, I. Um, well, I'd read Alyssa's short stories. Alyssa is like this amazing writer um, who uh, kind of came out of the gate and won like a million giant awards, you know, for for her uh, uh, her sci-fi and fantasy fiction. And um, you know, I, so I'd started reading her stuff, and I was like, oh wow, she really gets genre and emotion. You know what I mean? She's I mean, she's just great stuff. And um, and, and she's also of like Chinese and Filipino descent. And Arrow and Wave, uh, Arrow is Chinese and Wave is Filipino. And um, uh, uh, and I, you know, and I, 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 I was looking for a co-writer, and she's just, you know, she just was the perfect fit. So she's been amazing. Um, and then Fonda is she's she wrote the book called Jade War, a uh, Jade City, and the follow-up Jade War. And she's, um, which are these tremendous kind of martial arts urban fantasy books basically I, I mean I don't know if that's it's kind of like martial arts meets the godfather meets uh, a little bit of Lord of the Rings you know I mean it, they're, they're tremendous um, uh, and um, she's a black belt in karate and kung fu and I'm writing Shang-Chi and Swordmaster who are these uh, these martial arts uh, characters and and you know I I took Chai Chi lessons for a summer you know 10 years ago but I'm not a martial arts expert I don't have a black belt and um, and and she's been amazing you know like she's bringing all these nuances to that action that I would never have come up on my own so um, uh, so I'm thrilled about the chance to bring in folks who are going to bring a perspective that would not be in the book otherwise and also who are just great storytellers you know like these stories are better because I'm co-writing them with them Uh, swinging back to Star Wars a little bit I'm sure there's not much you can say, mm-hmm. but any Empire Ascended teasers you can give us? Uh, I don't know if I can... Or will can. Disney come after us all? <laughs> I don't know if I can give you any teasers yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but if you're interested in what in, in the Darth Vader book, don't miss Empire Ascendant, or okay. don't miss the story I'm doing for Empire Ascendant. I think I can tease that. Yes. So related to that, uh, New York Comic Con the other weekend, Film and Marvel announced that they're you know relaunching the Star Wars comic lines and that... You'll be writing the new Darth Vader comic. Yes. So is there anything you can tell us about that? Yeah, it takes place after Empire, and um, I'm incredibly excited about it. It's the best story moment in in Darth Vader's timeline, I think. It's <laughs> it's just, you know, it, it's, it's tremendous, because um, we all remember at the end of Empire, Luke gets his hand lopped off, I'm your father, no, and, and uh, you know, join, you know, Vader basically says, join me, we're going to overthrow the Emperor together, we'll rule the galaxy as father and son. And Luke rejects him, you know, like Luke's whole world is shattered, and he like tumbles down into the depths of underneath Cloud City. And Vader, we kind of forget about Vader a little bit, but Vader is also wrecked. He's wrecked in that moment because he has sort of like broken his, 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 like he's, he's, he's really, uh, in 
you know, in 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 considering rebellion. You know what I mean? And 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 uh, like he's 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 going off the path of the Sith. He's he's about to betray the Emperor. He's risking everything in this moment to reach out to his son, and he's rejected. You know. So the the story we're going to do is going to basically carry through on Vader's mindset in the wake of this, and see what he's what the heck is going on under that 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 black dome, uh, and. Um, uh, and, and you know, and, and one of the things he's going to try to do is track down everyone who lied and hid uh, Luke's uh, existence from him, uh, and try to kill them. So it's uh, we got we got a big vendetta coming up. Uh, we got some. I, I just turned in the first issue. We got some tremendous new supporting characters and an enormous, enormous shock at the end of the first issue. So. Ooh. You don't want to miss it. That's out in February, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it a lot. And uh, Rafael Ienko is is drawing. Okay. He's tremendous. Awesome. Yeah, they didn't show us any art in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably too early for a cover, but yep. it looks awesome. Um, and then last question is: most of our listeners tend to be more Star Wars focused than necessarily comic books at mm-hmm. times. So, what would be one or two of your books that, if they wanted to read more of your? Oh stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would recommend. Uh, I'm currently writing a book called Ronan Island, which is uh, it's basically young. Young samurai uh, taking on zombies in a uh, alternate history Japan, and they're a different kind of zombie. But it's it's really about this kind of great relationship between this young Korean woman and this uh, basically daughter of Korean farmers and um, and son of uh, samurai nobility who are like forced to work together in this in this terrible screwed up world. Um, and I love it. It, it may be my favorite thing I'm, I'm writing right now. Uh, and uh, and then uh, there's um, oh yeah, well this is you know if you if you dig Star Wars you might dig Firefly. And I'm writing the Firefly ongoing for Boom right now with art by Dan McDade. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And, uh, looking forward to reading more of your Star Wars stuff. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And hey, we're back. You still have to listen to me talk though. Sorry guys. <laughs> uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the interview we did with Greg. Uh, I did with Greg. Like I said, it was kind of awesome to get to do. I, I have a ton of respect for Greg's work. Uh, he's done some awesome stuff with Star Wars. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does next with the Vader book. Uh, so, yeah, that's all for this month. So you can join us for our next episode when we're going to be talking about someone from a certain squad I care about very much. We're going to be talking about San Marana from the Inferno Squad book by Christy Golden. And also... Is there something that you guys would like to hear us talk about or I guess you think we should have on to discuss to guess Star Wars? Let us know. Uh, and also, don't forget that if you have any questions for us you'd like us to answer in a future episode, just want to chime in. You can tweet them to us via the Tashi Station account with the hashtag KanjiCast and or be in our Patreon where we have a KanjiCast channel and you guys can ask us questions there. Patreon.com slash Tashi Station. Yes. All right, let's go ahead and get out of here. This episode of the Kanji Cast is brought to you in part by you, our Patreon subscribers. Again, that's patreon.com slash Tashi Station. We're a part of the Tashi Station podcast network. Uh, head over to uh, TashiStation.net to see all of our blog posts, news, and all of our other podcasts. Uh, on Twitter, you can find us with the handles Tashi Station. Uh, Jay is Admiral Jello. Bria is Chaos Bria. I'm Lane Winry, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. You can find this show on the Tashi Station mega feed on the iTunes Store, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you might get podcasts. 
Again, uh, find us at TashiStation.net. Thanks for listening to another episode. We'll catch you all next time. So long.